Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roto-World Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined, as always, by Kyle Dvorak, Danny Carter. We are going to preview the entire Week 9 slate. That includes the Dolphins at the Kansas City Chiefs in Frankfurt, Germany, for some reason. The Bills, the Bengals, uh, the Seahawks, the Ravens, uh, you know, the Rams, Packers, you know, whatever. Uh, some other games. Uh, tell you what, I wish I loved anything as much as this week's slate. Loves having games totaled under 40. Where is all my beautiful offense gone? Uh, do either it one of you it's gone. It? It's gone. That's it is a good question. Like, why, why is it so bad? I mean, like, it's the injuries. Like, are the injuries a product? I feel like we had a lot of young quarterbacks get banged up, and maybe that's like like Ben Roethlisberger, you know, God bless his 37-year-old heart when his final season was not taking a hit that would injure him, whereas, like, I guess Justin Fields maybe is more likely to take those hits. I think people, I think quarterbacks are dropping back less often this year or throwing passes less often this year, so, like, that's not it. And maybe it's just bad luck, but, boy, is the luck bad. <laughs> uh, I think that's something to do, too, now the safeties – now playing as high as the Burj Khalifa. Google it. Uh, the One of the tallest to. buildings in the world. It's a skyscraper in the United Arab Emirates. The safeties just remain higher than ever. And my they accountants are, are calling me every week like, listen, like I don't care how much money you say you put it in your account here. Um, until you get these safeties to go lower, you're insolvent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you thought uh, quote Calvin Ridley was going to do. I Here's here. You thought Calvin Ridley, if he's a real person, was going to score fantasy points this season. Uh, but, he's buddy, not. you're dead wrong, and that's a $2,000 fee. That's right. And we're going to move to three high safeties as a result. <laughs> the safeties ever higher. Yeah, fourth. Yeah, Bill Belichick's like, yeah, whatever, throw a fifth safety back there. 80 uh, yards off the line. And then, oh, uh, wow. Sorry. A safety. There goes a safety. Just, my, parachuted my in on Denny. My phone got upset. Uh, this is kind of uh, unfocused riffing, indiscriminate riffing. Should we just start the show? Sure. We had a lot of potential topics, including a very popular national uh, fast casual food chain trying to kill people with charged tea. Um, it's, uh, I saw a video of a woman who had consumed lots of that tea, and uh, she didn't look well. She looked... <laughs> She looked like she had consumed like 4,000 shots of uh, espresso. You know? and someone someone had made the immortal joke online that uh, said company has invented the fifth loco. 
<laughs> you wonder what well, that is. Uh, do the Zoomers know what Four Loco is? I mean, I, we, I think it's not like it's the Zoomers don't recipe. know. The Zoomers don't know original recipe for Loco unless they were really being naughty in high school. Because uh, I think all, by all the, the Zoomers time, uh, who knew that unfortunately perished from a heart attack. Honestly, <laughs> like if you were if you're my age and you tried original recipe for Loco, you, you didn't make it to my age. That's the thing. You can't exist. You're not. You're a figment of, of my imagination. Yeah. Did, when was the last time for legal purposes for Loco? Loco? Kyle Dvorak does not mean what he just said. <laughs> <laughs> I think you made was, the same joke like 30 seconds was before. was known as, quote, quote, humor. And uh, we do, we were not at all implying that Four Loco killed anybody. Uh, moving <laughs> on to Frankfurt, Germany, Deutschland. Uh, the Chiefs and Dolphins arrive in Germany, sporting one of the only bearable game totals of this wretched week nine slate, Denny Carter. The Chiefs, they're looking to bounce back from a hellacious no-show in the Rocky Mountains. But we will begin with the Dolphins, who are surgically destructing opponents at home looking a little more ordinary on the road. Is this a fake trend reason for quote concern or how much should we read into these dolphins home road splits? This is of course a neutral site game. And again, an entirely different country known as Germany. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and the fact that we're shipping this uh, game, this great game overseas, I think that is a problem for, for country? this great country, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, it's, it's all about opponent, you know, look, the, the dolphins, uh, lost to the Bills and Eagles on the road, and they beat the Broncos, Panthers, and Giants, among others, at home. So, like you know, they 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 faced uh, a lot of horrible teams at home, and they've dismantled them. Uh, you know, until they beat a good a good team like the Chiefs, I don't think that they can be considered like a legit Super Bowl team. Uh, and so maybe maybe they'll get that that shot this week. Uh, but really, uh, look if the Dolphins. As good as the Dolphins' offense has been, if they can't establish it, they're in trouble. Like they, like they, they have shown that this this year. The Bills took away the run, the Eagles took away the run, and this team is not designed as 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 weird as it sounds because it's an analytics driven team, this and that. But it really is a run focused team, and they have destroyed teams on the ground this year. If they get that taken away, it's over. It's a run focused team too. I would say. With a running game that is, it's like a lot of moving parts. It's pretty elaborate. It's kind of like a Swiss watch. And that when basically every part of the watch is firing, there's nothing you can do. Like, oh, Devin Achan, another 72 yard touchdown. That's cool. I'm a defensive coordinator. I'm going to fish get there fight. again. Fish get yep. there again. DFS, congrats. Backup <laughs> running back, 48% owned, 8,000 on DraftKings. 45 points. Congrats. Exactly. It just feels like they need a few too many. It's, it feels too elaborate to me, which brings me to my next question, Kyle, because right now it's all Raheem Mostert. And for the second straight year, he kind of looks like he's hitting a wall. You keep him in the RB1 mix in fantasy because his touchdown odds are just ludicrously good. I think he's got like 12 total touchdowns already. But, so Denny's hinting at concern with the Dolphins running game. Any concern with Raheem Mostert? Devin Chain. this might be the last game he misses. They're in Germany, then they're on by. Uh, or should we be selling high on Raheem Mostert? I think we've talked about this concept before. Yeah, we've talked about the concept of Raheem Mostert pretty much every week for the entire season. Uh, I'm not, I mean, I think if you're selling high, it's because of the impending Devon Achan return. I wouldn't think it's because of his matchup this week. It's not a great matchup. Chiefs are a good defense and they're underdogs, but I have faith in him. We saw last week, it didn't, 
His usage came down but only because it was really high two weeks ago. Last week, he had a 56% snap share, saw well over half the team's carries and exactly half the team's routes. That's pretty normal for him throughout the year. Maybe it looks a little bit more like it did with A-Chan on the field. He was still putting up really good numbers when A-Chan was there. I think he's more like a 1A, and we got a blip or two of pure number one, no number two back when A-Chan went down. But they don't want to use him like that, and they don't have to to get him RB1 numbers. Because like you said... 15 touches makes him one of the most likely running backs in the NFL to score a touchdown in any given week. So maybe we pull him back from like, I think at one point I literally had him ranked as like the RB two or three. Now I'm going to have him in that like eight, nine range, but he's still completely inside the RB one ranks, not really even on the border. Danny, you're trying to get your analytics card yanked by the way, saying the dolphins need to run more or whatever Um, (laughs) or whatever. Well, when they, when they don't have, when they, when they can't have a balanced offense, like when they're forced to drop back, I, you know, look, as good as Tua has been, he's been good, and he's good for this system, okay? He's a system knower. He's good for the system. Not saying that. Not saying anything bad about him, okay? So please, Dolphins fans, don't kind of sounds like but, it, but keep going. But, uh, but, but he's not a guy when the, when he they have to lean on him, it's, not, it's usually not going to work. I totally. When they take away the running game, Tua very quickly seems to not see a dropping linebacker or like yeah. an encroaching safety, right. and that they need this – I mean, every offense needs like the, these outlets and these safety valves and these layers, but uh, the Dolphins, they're not going to be able to just pass their way out of any problems. They need Devin Shane healthy. They need to keep Raheem okay. Mostert healthy. They need Jeff Wilson to maybe start contributing. Then on that side of the ball, I don't know if we really have questions about the Chiefs. It was a stink bomb game against the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes was sick. Everything just went wrong. I don't think we're too concerned about the Chiefs offense. But we, we are concerned that we want Rasheed Rice to be a thing. But he seems kind of maxed. His floor and ceiling seem the exact same right now. Yes, right. Do you see that changing at all? Uh, uh, look, not unless you can confidently project him for more routes. I mean, it just it, it is kind of that simple, and I wish it weren't. But I wrote I wrote Rasheed Rice up in the regression files this week. If folks want to check that out, uh, there, there's a there's some good and there's some bad. I'll start with the good. Uh, Rice has been targeted on 30% of his pass routes this season. That's second in the Kansas City offense to Travis Kelsey. Uh, His 2.8 yards per route run is just a shade under Kelsey's. So he has been really good. The bad is uh, that he is not running the routes. Like It's like around 50%. Sometimes he gets a little over 60. That's not enough. Like that that is just not enough for like bankable fantasy uh, production, even in the KC offense, even, you know, the, this, uh, they're still leading the league and pass rate over expected. So they're still dropping back a lot. still still passing a lot. Uh, but you, you can start rice, but you're right, Pat, in saying that his floor and his ceiling are pretty similar. No difference between good and bad or she rice <laughs> things. Uh, right. Any re- very quickly, any reason at all to roster any of Kadarius, Tony sky MVS, or is it Rasheed rice or bust? No, I don't, don't do this. No, no, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, I mean, Tony like might be interesting if Rice misses time, but other than that, no. Justin Watson will just play that spot. Like they're not. It doesn't matter. There's no world in which I see them giving Kadarius Tony half of the routes. He's he's down below twenty percent the past two weeks. Uh, Sky Moore like still holding steady around like a similar route usage to Rasheed Rice, except Sky Moore's really, really, really not good. So nothing. Very not good. Uh, very not good. That uh. We'll be right back. It's very good. <laughs> nailed it. We, we nailed it. We will be right back after this. 
Two of the NFL's best quarterbacks face off this week on Sunday Night Football. Don't miss Josh Allen and the Bills playing against Joe Burrow and the Bengals in Cincinnati. Coverage of the AFC Clash begins at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock. And don't forget, find all your favorite NBC Sports shows and Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at Fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Bills Bengals, that is as big as it gets. Those two teams hate each other. And it's for like kind of weird reasons, there was like a lot of like spillover animosity after yes. the incident on Monday Night Football last year. Kind of like like it was like neither team's fault. They were just like upset about like minor grievances after that game, like the way it affected the playoff seating and all that. And I'd imagine that the fan like bases both they both have inferiority complexes for the Chiefs and they take it out on each other. That's uh, a pretty amazing hypothesis. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yikes! Kyle just came out and said it. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's really what it comes down to. That is what it comes down to. What it comes down to is the quarterback losing Vikings visiting the quarterback benching Falcons. This four and a half point underdog, Kyle. We'll get to the post Kirk Cousins landscape in a minute, but we will begin with Atlanta and Taylor Heineke. What are the realistic hopes that Heineke might actually spark this Falcons offense? Because we, we're going to put it to the test that anyone would be better than Desmond Ritter. Because like Desmond Ritter, Taylor Heineke likes sacks and turnovers. Yeah. And like Desmond Ritter, he's occasionally been good. What are the odds he actually boosts this attack? I think it's pretty slim. I mean, last year, Heineke was 33rd in EPA per play. He was actually decent CPOE, completes his like mid-range throws at a above-expected clip. 40th in PFF passing grade, wasn't much better the year before that. I think there are some things that Arthur Smith does well to help elevate his talent, gives him a lot of play action, some pre-snap motion. And I think ultimately Heineke looks very similar to Ritter in the long run. One thing I did notice is that Heineke's done actually pretty well. He's not elite, but has done well on play action throughout his career. And that's something I just said the Falcons do at one of the higher rates in the league. So maybe that's something they can get going. These like deep middle of the field bros to maybe Drake London, though. I think that kind of looks suspect at this point. Definitely Kyle Pitts. But ultimately, it's, it's you know, which pick your poison between these two guys. I don't think much changes as far as the passing efficiency. I think the most important thing, the real problem with this team is that nothing with their run rate being 32nd in the NFL is going to change. And that's the biggest problem. Desmond Ritter is fine in that. I think he's better than Zach Wilson. Like there are probably four starting. Yeah, I think he's probably better than Jaron Hall, Aiden O'Connell. Like he's the 28th best quarterback. That guy can get some fantasy points on the board if they let him throw. Like a la Sam Howell taking an insane amount of sacks. He gets to throw the football a lot and he's all right when he gets the ball off. 
maybe Ritter could be that guy. We'll never get to know with him, with Heineke, with with like Marcus Mariota last year, because this team is going to run the football even when they're down 20 points. It just won't matter. And in a game this week where there's no way they get down 20 points, we are going to get so many runs. It sounds like maybe you think the answer is no, but what if I said, told you Taylor Heineke is 5 to 10% better than Desmond Ritter? Would that make Drake London an every week wide receiver too or no? No, probably still not. You'd still have a game where they throw 17 times. Denny, tell me, tell me the opposite, Denny. <laughs> the opposite is yeah. is true. No, uh, I, I will say that, you know, if you, if you look at Heineke's like passing profile, it is, it is different than, uh, <laughs> than, than, than Ritter's. Sure. Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be better for real purposes, but for fantasy, it could be interesting. Uh, against the a Titans, a little more five locally. It is, yeah. Against the against the Titans last week, uh, Heineke had a 12.3 average depth of target. That is way higher than Desmond Ritter's average depth of target of eight this season. So, uh, could I think you know? Obviously, that's I think that spells good things for Desmond Ritter. Could be better for Kyle Pitts over Jonu Smith. In other words, like. Ritter was like funneling those really short targets to the short area guys. So I, I do think there's a possibility that, that London really, really uh, can have more upside, I guess uh, with Heineke. I think I do agree with your take. I also agree with Kyle's word of caution, but it does seem like a situation where this even modest improvement would go such a long way since the Falcons have been throwing more this year. Uh, just seems like even modest improvement would help us. Yeah. The other side of the ball, Denny, we the Vikings were the team of our dreams. They could not stop throwing. Now they have to stop throwing. A 25-year-old fifth-round rookie, Jaron Hall, is replacing Kirk Cousins. What are the odds that the Vikings just go like super, super, super run heavy with Alexander Madison and Cam Akers, even though we know they don't really love their backfield personnel? Right. But I, I think the chances are good, is is what I'll say of them just really leaning hard uh toward the run here to protect Jaron Hall to keep the game with, you know, a kind of a, kind of an ugly back and forth uh, in the trenches. They, they kind of did this against the Panthers back in September in this horrible fantasy environment. Uh, I don't really know why they did that because the Panthers can be, can be exploited through the air, but they chose to do it and they were way under their expected pass rate. I think we could see the same thing here, barring something, you know, out of control game script. I think it's worth noting that Atlanta is a slight run funnel defense and last week, Minnesota had the second lowest drop back rate over expected of the season uh, against Green Bay. I think they 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 are at the point where they're like, okay, we just we're just going to have to run it, and that could crush target volume for the guys we've we've been accustomed to starting, uh, particularly Addison. So segueing right into that, Kyle. We sorry if you've heard us talk about this. Or we've talked about this on all of our shows this week, but is it over for Jordan Addison, who had ascended almost into the top twenty? Now he's kind of like fighting for his top 36 life. Is that too dramatic or is it, is it over as a wide receiver three for Jordan Addison for now? It's tough. It's on the border there because as much as like Denny and I were very excited and were <laughs> both of us less concerned about KJ Osborne, we proved right in that 
but not by like an outstanding amount. He, over the games without Justin Jefferson, has a target share that's just 2% higher than KJ Osborne. Really, where his fantasy value came from is that all of his opportunities were high, high leverage. He had an air yard share that was over 10% higher than KJ Osborne's. They were throwing to him downfield, and he had seen over half of the team's end zone targets after Justin Jefferson went down. KJ Osborne did not have an end zone target. So, although the raw target numbers look similar between the two, every single time they looked Addison's way, it was a high leverage look. It's going to be really hard for Jaron Hall to complete those deep throws and going to be really hard for him to get them near the end zone, which is really where a lot of Addison's, I think he has four touchdowns since Jefferson went down, a lot of Addison's production had come. So I think it disproportionately hurts him versus someone like KJ Osborne, just getting schemed medium short targets at a similar clip to uh, Jordan Addison. I feel okay, at least about TJ Hawkinson, uh, especially going forward once Josh Dobbs is in the lineup. Dobbs loves targeting his tight ends, loves his short throws. Addison, I think, think he's going to rank just inside the top 36 for me. But if you tell me you have him like 41, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. It's a bad, bad spot. Got him right on that board. And we spent too much time on this game, but very quickly, percent odds we see Josh Dobbs in this game. I'll say 23%. We see Josh Dobbs in this <laughs> I'll game. go with 25%. Mm-hmm. Give me 15. Yeah, I was hoping you'd go higher, try to win the prices, right? Yeah. 51%. And anybody have a succinct Bijan thought? I mean, he led in touches last week. Uh, cool. Uh, great. Andrew Beck, the fullback for the Texans, has more uh, inside the five carries than him. That was my thought. I just thought of that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on. The so. slinging Sam Howe howls and the commanders arrive in New England as three and a half point underdogs after giving up on their season at the trade deadline. Uh, we don't care about that at all, Denny. That's actually good because that means they're worse. And now they have to throw more. Can Howe keep throwing more than 40 times per game and force his way into the QB1 mix? Or is this like a guy living dangerously and when he's dropping back that much, he's just going to have been crushed for like nine sacks. Didn't happen in week eight. Well, I, yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping, you know, as someone who has Hal on a couple of teams that, 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 that maybe the commanders talked to old Sammy and said, Hey Sam, you can't take 12 <laughs> sacks a game. You got to throw the ball away. And he actually did. He did, you know, the beat writers made a point of, of talking on Monday and Tuesday about the fact that Hal was way more cognizant of oncoming rushers, got the ball away, scrambled, got dumped it off, which is important. You know, we cared like, if he lived or died that, that too. Uh, so maybe, maybe that that takes, but really Sam Howell has a long history, including going way back to college yeah. as our own Zach Kruger has shown uh, that uh, of taking a lot of sacks. So I, I don't know if it'll, if, if that will stick, but, the, the commanders are, are insanely pass-heavy right now. They've completely abandoned the run, which we love to see. Uh, 7.5% above their expected uh, pass rate. Uh, it's actually gotten more pass-heavy over the past uh, three weeks. And I, I mentioned how in the regression files this week because um, uh, how has managed a, a touchdown on only eight of his 24 throws in the red zone um, or in the green zone, sorry, in the, in the inside the 10-yard line. And you know it's not it's it's not a horrible rate, but it's definitely uh, maybe due to regress. I know he's coming off a four touchdown game. I I do get that, but he was he was a, a screaming re- regression candidate coming into last week. I think he remains so com- going into week nine. Just forced to trade Sam Howell in a two quarterback league and not really loving it. Uh, gonna miss him. It's gonna be missed dearly. He's a glue Enjoy. guy. Like he's out there scrapping for your fantasy points. It's yeah. the fourth quarter. His team's down a lot, and he gets you a garbage time touchdown. He's what gets you through the bye weeks. He is, and he had been. Uh, but you got Justin Herbert. You got two attack below. Decisions have to be made, and uh, we welcome Adam Thielen and Calvin Ridley to squad. 
Uh, so Cal, Cal, if you're ready to do anything, that would be real great news. <laughs> We're talking about the commander's pass volume. Kyle included eight catches on 10 targets for Jahan Dotson in week eight against the Eagles. Finally had a hundred yard game. Finally scored a second touchdown. Is, is it as simple as saying Jahan Dotson's not dead yet? Curtis Samuel not practicing with a toe injury. We're just kind of a one game blip against the pretty shockingly terrible Eagles pass defense. What's the Jahan Dotson lay of the land right now? Yeah, I think Curtis Samuel being hurt the past two weeks, he's played, but he's only run a route on 37% of the team's dropbacks over the past two weeks has done a lot for Dotson because as much as we all believed in Dotson's talent, it was very clear that he just didn't have the ability to separate from Curtis Samuel as the clear number two target. Some of that is a sort of reminder that Curtis Samuel is probably better than we gave him credit for when we are drafting our fantasy teams, but it also does have to be a bit of an indictment on Jahan Dodson. The good news is that it doesn't look like he's going to play this week, and the past two weeks have given us some look into what they're going to do if they don't have Samuel, and they've been passing out of 12 personnel way more. Their 11 personnel pass rate heading in to what would have been two weeks ago was up there in like 87%. It's dropped 17% since then. And when you're passing out of 12 or 21 or any other non-11 personnel look, a lot easier for a wide receiver to draw targets when part of the competition for targets becomes Cole Turner instead of Curtis Samuel, something like that. So I do think that's a huge part in what they're sort of doing in, in lieu of Samuel being healthy, and it should stick this week. So I think it's maybe a blip in the sense of if Samuel's healthy, it's hard to start Dotson. Doesn't look like he's healthy this week. Kyle, the uh, personnel knower. Um, no, that's really good stuff. Denny, Patriots, anything to care about here? Kendrick Bourne out for the year with the torn ACL. Yeah. Demario Davis probably going to see seven to ten targets, but really hard to find anything to care about in this Patriots offense against a really, really bad commander's defense. The team we're going to be targeting with anyone who's not Mac Jones. I mean, look, the <laughs> – the three the the three receivers in this offense when when they have three receivers on the field are going to be Jalen Rager, uh, Pop Douglas, Pop otherwise Douglas. known as Demario, and uh, and probably Juju Smith Schuster. So that is down tremendous. Um, I, I I don't I don't know what to say beyond you can play Douglas. I do think Douglas is, is viable in PPR twelve team leagues. Like he I, you said seven. Would you say seven targets or so? Seven to like, ten targets. Yeah, right. I was going to say, I, I I, think that I'm trying not to say double-digit targets are locked in, but I feel like it's pretty close because I just don't know where else the ball's going to go. Maybe maybe the, the uh, targets funnel down to Ramondre Stevenson. Maybe. I don't know. But well, I mean, uh, what if they start playing like Mike Jacecki and Hunter Henry on the field? Like, yeah, all exclusively. Yeah, yeah. I, I do I will worry a little bit about a Bill Belichick rug pull. Do these fantasy guys think we're going to give a five foot eight receiver <laughs> 10 targets? I feel okay that we're not getting the rug pull because they're already down to Jalen Rieger. Jalen Rieger was the guy they would have used to rug pull us, but he's on the field too. Otherwise, it's like uh, Kayshawn Butte, I think, who hasn't played since week one. Yeah, he's been a healthy scratch. Yeah. And or like Tyron Thornton. So yep, another great draft pick. <laughs> At least they, they didn't spend much on Butte. Tyron Thornton has been a. Not a great pick, but was, maybe it is 12. Too. Yeah. Oh, dang. Yeah. Man, he should maybe. have been. I feel like he could be good if he were on like another team too. Yeah. But. Uh, maybe. I don't know. It could be like Gusecki though. It could be that they just run a lot of 12 or something like that. But I, I feel good. Good that we're not getting Douglas rug pulled. Real quick. Doug pulled. <laughs> Doug, I had to get that one in. <laughs> I'll ask Kyle. Then I'll ask Denny. Demario Douglas or Jordan Addison in your, in your rankings this week. Oh, still give me Addison. Denny Carter, Douglas. 
Oof. Oof. I, I'm sticking I get with Addison, it. I mean, but I, yeah, I sort of get it. I think. No, I mean, you. I mean, Jaron Hall is his quarterback, and this should be a great matchup. Sorry to waste time on this game, but this should be a great matchup. the The Commanders are thirtieth in EPA per play to the pass allowed, and they just traded away their two best pass rushers from the outside. That that accounts for like eleven and a half sacks in like fifty five yeah. or sixty pressures they've generated this year. So no, like no cornerback uh, depth. No, like they have one good cornerback, Kendall Fuller. No cornerback depth. No, now no pass rush. This is. I don't want to say stream Mac Jones, but well, like that's what I was say, 40 and a half total strikes me as shockingly low for the amount of defense yeah, yeah, yeah. that we played in this game. Right. I, I, I think that this game, this is one of two or three games that I think have has sneaky shootout appeal. And by shootout, I don't, I'm not talking about 45, 42 or anything, but I'm talking about a, a, a game that sneaky provides, beat the total appeal. Sneaky beat the total. Yeah. Appeal. I mean, a game that provides some fantasy appeal. Right. And I, I, I which is hard to find this week. Hard to find yeah. any week with all these quarterback injuries, mm-hmm. so I, that, that's why I'm I, I'm bullish on on Douglas, I guess more than more than you guys, and and uh, I think that Mac Jones is a reasonable streaming option. I hate to say that I, I haven't written up my he's in the top. I wanted someone else to say it. He's in the top twenty because if you see twenty one through twenty eight, you'll understand why he's Unreal. in the top twenty. Right. The only I, the the only way that not the only way the way this game environment goes south. Is it Bill Belichick? You know, like one last job? Like, well, obviously, I'm going to make Sam Howell's life a living hell. <laughs> like, he and he, he's going to have 19 pass attempts, and four of them will be picks. That's like within the range of outcomes. But the Patriots just have not been playing that kind of defense. So I, I agree with Denny's optimism. This game may be getting us more points than the bookmakers expect. Jockeying for position in the NFC East, the Eagles host the Cowboys as modest three-point favorites. Kyle Dvorak. Philadelphia continues to bleed passing game production. Is this the beginning of a real deal Dak Prescott hot streak after last week's four touchdown explosion against the Rams? I mean, Dak has been good, really good all year. It's just their games are so dumb. Every single one of their games has some terrible way to not be fun and competitive. They are last in the NFL in total plays run within seven points of their opponent, either direction. Only a third of their plays had just, it's just over a third of their plays have come within seven points of their opponent. I'll have, you know, every game starts with both teams within seven points of their opponent. And unless you get a two point conversion on the opening touchdown games last as a one score game for what would normally be a very long time. And their games are just like hilariously finding ways to not be normal. The spread says this is a normal game. I think I've even said that before on this show, but Dak is fifth in EPA per play, 10th in CPOE, and the film watchers over at PFF have him 10th in passing grade. He's legit good. He is legitimately one of the 10 10 best quarterbacks. I wouldn't even put him outside the top 10. And this is a now very beatable defense in a game with a good total, especially good for this week. It's a really good spot for Dak, I think. You, Kyle, by the way, I've said the film watchers are kind of in shambles this week. Aren't they defending Desmond Ritter? I guess what some of them are. Some of them are. Look, Uh, film watchers. Hey, the EPA bros also said that Desmond Ritter had like three good games in a row. Uh, He's still on the season, ranks quite poorly. And I blame that more on sequencing. Like, if those first three games came at the beginning of the season, we'd say he's terrible now. Like, I, I just look at it in the aggregate, just look at the spreadsheets. So well, that, because he, it was Kyle's part of the toxic group thing that does. Yeah, well, did, that's uh, fair. That's a fair characterization. Later. Yeah, boy, yeah, Art, Art Smith just uh, kind of says stuff and then hopes that what he wants to happen happens. And then when it doesn't, he just pretends that it, he never said. He, pre- he pretends the guy has a headache. Yeah, yeah he's got he's got a freaking headache. I mean, Desmond Ritter, yeah, he's we're giving him Advil every four hours. Yeah. What do you want to? You and me both, Art. He's got, he's got a headache. 
got a uh, Denny elsewhere in this Cowboys offense. Tony Pollard, just Joe Mixon now? Question mark or I don't know. That? You know, folks. I don't know if Pollard has the juice. I, I you know, last week. Look, where's the magazine? Uh, <laughs> I got one. I got one. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. <laughs> there, there he is. There's our guy. Uh, last week should have been it. You know, it really just should have. Like they get out to a huge lead against a Rams defense that has been pretty vulnerable for for parts of the season through, on the ground. Forget about that though. Forget about the matchup. Like they, like put Pollard was in line to see twenty plus touches in that game. I don't, I don't know how many he ended up with. There's no way to know for sure. But, but, uh, <laughs> but he, but you know, it does does nothing. And and these these game scripts for the Cowboys are so wacky and so distorted, right? That Rico Dowdle ends up being the primary ball carrier for the last quarter and a half against the Rams. So I, I, I get it. It's kind of bad luck, okay? Because if the Rams had hung in at all, maybe Pollard sees more action in the second half. Whatever. But this 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 has happened too much. It's it's happening every week, and it's going to continue. More important thing it's going to real quick. Anything. It's going to continue to happen. The, the schedule after the Eagles game: Giants, Panthers, Commanders. Oh, oh my God! <laughs> yeah. So, so I think you the more to me, the more important thing. Although those games are going to be terrible, and we're going to get twelve Rico Dottle carries. Not the point. Uh, to me, the more important thing, Danny, you just briefly mentions the juice. Like, dude, Pollard is getting buried in every single efficiency metric exactly. and our sample size is growing after one or two weeks. I'm like, Oh, outlier. I just do not care. Right. At some point I do have to be concerned and we have reached that point. It's like his first season in the NFL with a negative rush yards over expected. It's a career lows and missed tackles for us, breakaway yards, et cetera, et cetera, metrics, spreadsheets. And you see it when you watch him, you're like, Oh, that's another play of two yards. We might've underestimated someone coming back from what I believe was literally a compound fracture, like a pretty right. serious injury. Uh, and uh, folks, uh, someone, Someone may have mentioned that fracture during the offseason and was dismissed as crazy because it wasn't a muscle. All right. We spent too long on this game. Please don't let Penny Victor uh, laugh anymore. Briefly fired when you disagreed with putting him on the magazine cover. Of course, your lawyers got your job back. They they did. Thank goodness. Went right to your lawyers hurt Tony Pollard, apparently, too. I'm really sorry. I'm I'm done with Pollard after this. I have to say this their PFF elusive rating. Uh, Zeke is right there with Pollard, no, right stop, back to back. Stop. That's, come on, man. <laughs> fake news. The news is fake. It's fake. It's fake news. Don't look it up. Real quick, any Eagles receiver concern? We know all about the 125-yard game streak for A.J. Brown. Devontae Smith got cooking in week eight. Cowboys, they don't have, like, amazing, like, secondary personnel right now, but the pass rush is, of course, making life very difficult. Any concern for these Eagles pass catchers against the Cowboys? I don't think so. All right, whatever. Moving on. Um, The Colts and Panthers meet up and will hopefully be the little shootout that could, Kyle. This is supposed to be Denny's turn in the rotation, but you have begged me to talk about Jonathan Taylor and the unspeakable crimes that occurred in week eight. What the heck happened? We got Shane Steichen out there not really bothering. Some people were floating. Someone, Denny. Yes. I did not agree with your interpretation of this video where someone was like, Coach, is the reason – uh, Jonathan Taylor not getting the ball because Zach Moss is good and my inter- Shane, Shane Sykes was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I mean, sure. <laughs> I think he was just like brushing it off. And you, no, you are anyway. misinterpreting that. No, but the thing is, you could also word the question like, "Oh, is the reason is the reason Tyler Algier is not getting the ball more Bijan?" And the answer to that would be yes, but that doesn't say what you think it's saying. It's that there's a second guy who's capable of getting touches. If the backup was still like 
uh, what, uh, Jackson, whatever the guy's name was, like Deion Jackson. Deion, Deion Jackson. Long may he run. Yeah, if the backup was still Deion Jackson, sure. But Zach Moss is worth ten carries a game. That's not necessarily an indictment of Taylor, and it still doesn't preclude Taylor's role from growing. What I wanted to point out though was last week, uh, the first half. If I remember correctly, is eleven for ninety-five in the first half. Both Pat and I were playing in leagues or DFS tournaments where hundred yards is a, a bunch of extra points there. Key number. So, so we were, that was at halftime. So we were very excited and he got one we carry. I, I think just one yard in the second half does not eclipse 100, but there's some crucial context there. Uh, that one uh, fantasy footballers, Matthew Betts pointed out, there's a play going into the two minute warning. Taylor just like very clearly tweaked his ankle. He got up and was gimpy. And then Zach Moss took over under the two minute warning. But in the second half, Taylor Snapshare stayed over 60%. He ran 16 routes to Moss's eight. I believe actually it ended up dropping to, uh, oh, it was a, uh, six in the second half i think so decoying or something because no here's the thing is he was out there for the very first play of the second half got a carry then they go three and out second drive they've been rotating drives it's not surprising to see zach moss come in he got five carries he did stuff with him he deserved to get those five carries that was with about five minutes left in the third quarter they did not run the ball again for the rest of the game they spent 20 minutes passing the ball. It's hard for Jonathan Taylor to get a carry when they literally did not throw or they did not run a single design run play from four minutes and change left in the third quarter. Final whistle. They passed every single play they had. Taylor was out there and he probably would. If he's out there, he probably would have gotten the ball if they weren't just chucking it because they were playing from behind. They weren't playing massively behind anyway, but he was out there. He was running routes and he was out there for the very first snap of the, of the second half. Got a carry. I'm not concerned that this was a setback. I'm still waiting for him to completely phase Zach Moss out. That has not happened yet. But to me, this was just very wonky game script. And I'll admit a little bit of it. It looked like he kind of tweaked his ankle up. Not bad. I, I couldn't believe playing. it had nothing to do with his health, but he, he's not on the week and I injury report. So maybe it was just like a true ankle roll. Yeah. And he's fine. Cause Kyle, I, I couldn't believe that it wasn't his health. Uh, Denny, do you have, a, you don't have to jump in on this. If you don't have anything. It seemed like maybe a slightly different Taylor take. Or do you not? Now, what, what was what was your interpretation of what he was saying about Zach yeah. Moss? The, my, look, this fits my priors, so I'm going with it. Zach Moss has been incredibly good. Like, That's not wrong. You're right about that. That might be wrong. No, uh, he's been great. He's been legit good. He's no been, one, no I, one has more rushing yards I, in I the NFL. Long arc of history in his career, he's been god awful. No, no, no. no, no, no. I, I agree with that. I agree with the fact that it Bills and even like last year, Zach Moss was not good in the context of the past eight weeks of my lifetime. Zach Moss has been really good. Sorry, Danny. Continue. He was good with the Bills. He was good with the Bills until he started suffering various injuries, including a head injury. Devin Singletary took over, and it was Jover for him. So, I, I, I think that he's a good player, and the team has no reason to uh, kind of phase him out. Uh, he's he's seeing the goal line touches. Like it's a problem. It's a problem for Taylor, uh, and I don't see. I think that that press conference they were sh- Steichen. I think Steichen was dismissing it as in yes. Moss is great. What do you want <laughs> I, I was getting heavy, whatever vibes. Yeah, whatever. Like, this, this I was like, too. Whatever you say, Denny's man. Right. Yeah, I was too. That like he just didn't seem to care. But I think Denny, Denny's right in that Zach Moss is third in the NFL in rush yards over expected per attempt, seventh in success rate. And you said he leads the NFL in rushing yards. I know he was close a week or two. Since ago, week so two. Yeah. Not, oh, since week two. Since, yeah, he joined or he got like active in week two or whatever. So, yeah, he's been really good. It's hard to bench him. Is the, the thing is so weird. He said hot hand. Jonathan Taylor had the hot hand. Yeah, he did. That's yeah. why it was yeah. confusing. But Denny's totally right. Zach Moss isn't going away. Gardner Minshew is like costing the Colts games with turnovers. 
It's going to remain. Who could have super, seen this coming? It's going to remain super run heavy as long as they can. It couldn't when they were in comeback mode last week. The two backs are immune involved. We hope John Taylor gets like seventy percent of the snaps eventually. Um, elsewhere in this game, Denny, did anything change for the Panthers coming out of their Week Seven bye? They went into it struggling and then continued to struggle against the uh, someone last week. Uh, who am I talking? I got very confused about my teams here. Uh, Panthers. Did anything change for the Panthers? Uh, coming out of their bye. Yeah, so Thomas Brown, uh, the OC, is is calling plays now instead of Frank Reich, uh, who fired himself. Called the good ones yet? From uh, from calling plays, and and yeah, so uh, Bryce Bryce Young's uh, A dot, his average depth, depth of target uh, jumped uh, in week in week eight against Houston. Uh, it didn't lead to much, uh, despite Panthers fans telling me differently. But uh, <laughs> and and uh, and it's notable, I think, that Carolina was four percent above their expected dropback rate. Um, just some some recent. Uh, uh, numbers from from that category minus two percent minus five percent minus five percent for the uh, Panthers. So uh, well, when we, you've got Miles Sanders, you got to get him going. Uh, right, exactly. So I, you know, I a, a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more pass first offense. I think is uh, is called for uh, Bryce Young. Look, I have I've had issues online with Bryce Young. Look, he's been he's been better. He's been better. Okay, I, I'm I'm man enough to say it. He's been, he was in. He's in the regression files, folks. Okay, I'm. I'm objective uh, above all else. That is my journalistic integrity there. Uh, so, so Bryce Young has been better. They're passing more. Uh, I, I think this offense could be more productive going forward. Kyle, quickly, is the Panthers' backfield as simple as saying Cuba Hubbard, even though he was not great in Week Eight, has become the clear lead back, and Miles Sanders and Raheem Blackshear are rotating behind him, or is it a little more layered than that? No, that about checks out. I mean, last week we saw Chuba Hubbard coming out of the bye. You thought maybe Sanders is healthy now. He missed the game before the bye. Maybe he's healthy. He gets back into the mix more, cements himself as the RB1. And the exact opposite happened. Chuba Hubbard saw 66% of the snaps and 71% of the carries. Not running all the routes, so he's more like a two and a half down back. He hasn't completely taken over the backfield. But if this usage were to hold, Miles Sanders would be like the RB, you know, 70 or something. He's a distant backup. I mean, he was distant. He played like a fifth of the snaps last week. He's almost completely out of the picture. Just couldn't have seen this coming after the Eagles made zero attempt to re-sign him. Uh, <laughs> Miles Sanders, poor guy. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The New Orleans Saints are catching nearly nine points against the fighting Tyson Bajans, Denny Carter. Any hope for the Bears pass catchers in this one? DJ Moore's cl- production has not completely collapsed with Tyson Bajan, uh, but let's say it's remained floor-based. Any hope whatsoever against a really, really tough Saints pass defense? 
Yeah, I mean, I think DJ Moore should be able to avoid Marshawn Lattimore in this game because they're using him kind of all over the place. Um, Lattimore doesn't usually like follow guys around. So I'm not too worried about that. I've seen some some chatter on the internet about, oh, well, it's a <laughs> Lattimore game. Then you're online, so yeah. I, I am. I'm on the line. Uh, and, you know, look, uh, 15 targets over the past two games for uh, DJ Moore. Like, I think that he's he's a fine floor option uh, for, for PPR because I, I think his chance of seeing 10 targets here is pretty good, okay, uh, in, in this trailing game script. Um, hopefully the bears don't get crushed in terms of like time of possession, which is, which is a possibility with the way the saints offense operates. But, uh, I, you know, you're, you're starting him, you're starting him as a, as a wide receiver three. Glad to hear that you're at least still starting it. Tyson Bajan kept Cole Komet alive last week. Yes. Uh, yes. Maybe you can at least keep these guys somewhat relevant, even as he provides no standalone fancy value for himself. Now we know the bears would like to rely on their backfield, it's just so hard when you've got a quarterback like Tyson Bajant and you're falling behind early in games, you got to have like no good viable plan, not good weeks for Deontay Foreman and Roshan Johnson last week. I guess Roshan was the number one back sort of in terms of usage or is that not true? How's I don't even know, man, this backfield is terrible. <laughs> I mean, last week, Deontay Foreman led in carries Roshan ran the most routes and Darrington Evans had the most carries inside the five. That's all you need to know. Like, I think someone will eventually emerge or Khalil Herbert will come back and play a larger role. But until that happens, this is a low scoring team with a true three-way split backfield. Don't touch any one of them. I was on the Chris Harris podcast earlier this week, and he pointed out like Roshan's cuts like look extremely slow, and I haven't been able to unsee that mm-hmm. since he said that. I'm a little concerned that he's not. We got to get you off this film stuff. Don't look at it anymore. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? Come on. I, I will never watch film again. Stop I'm watching. Actually, I'm actually missing Thursday night football tonight. I'm going to have like horrible withdrawals. I love the bad football. It's getting real serious. The Titans and Steelers too. Oh yeah, I love it. I'm having withdrawals. Real quick before we move on from this game. Is Chris Olave point shaving? Like, honestly, I I swear, like, I feel like we got, like, Jack Nicholson from The Departed. It's like, all right, tell him to hit, have it hit off his helmet again. <laughs> and, and, like, it then is. it just hits off his helmet again. And it, is something wrong with this guy? You know, I, uh, I'm going to say that I, I've watched – for some reason, I've watched a lot of Saints football over the past month, okay? Sorry. And, and I'm, I'm – listen, I'm going to say – Chris Olave's body language is off. The vibes are off. Okay. Chris Olave seems to not be enjoying life um, as Derek Carr's receiver. And it's showing. You know who is enjoying it is Rashid Shahid, who is converting. Then you said he ran one, one wrong route and they got real mad at him. Well, yeah, he did run a wrong route. So Dennis Allen, the head coach, the Saints said after the game, <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know about the Shahid kid uh, after he <laughs> single handedly propelled them to victory. Uh, say Chris Olave, I, I swear to God, it's like the world. Hold the faith. He's like he's number. Here. He's number two in air yards. He's like top ten in targets. Yeah, and he plays one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Yes, hold the faith. Uh, but don't if things don't go well, blame someone else because it's gonna. No, he, go well. he he could go. He could go ballistic this week. I'm sure. glad the mob's not asking him to kill anybody, and they're just asking him to drop footballs. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, it's been concerning too much. <laughs> it was a little it was a little intense i'll be honest too much all right you know what's too much is the bills and Bengals squaring off in the queen city with the Bengals checking in as two and a half point home favorites denny it's been a quiet go of it for t higgins since his return from i believe rib injuries correct is he yeah. slipping out of the wide receiver two rankings 
Or is he actually reascending as the Bengals finally begin to resemble the elite offense we expected all along? Well, you're talking about the cover guy of the regression files this week, folks. So um, uh, T. Higgins, look, he last week against the Niners uh, caught five of six for 65 yards. We got that going for us. It's the first time he's had over two catches since I think week two or three. Like it's been bad. It's been bad. But here's the thing about T. Higgins. He started the season healthy. Uh, Joe Burrow started the season very unhealthy, hobbled, some would say. Uh, and then uh, as soon as Joe Burrow was unhobbled, T. Higgins was hobbled. So they have really not been on the same page. They came out of the bye week. Higgins still is still dealing with a rib thing, but he seemed, he seemed healthier. This whole offense seemed healthier last week. I think that that continues to go forward. Uh, last week, Higgins saw 34% of the team's air yards. Like, that's real. That's really solid. Like, we can work with that, okay? Is he going to be more volatile, way more volatile than Jamar Chase? Yes, of course. But I do think that we could we could start to see that wide receiver two value come through. I believe that's what you call a statement game for the Bengals against the 49ers. Yes. Check out their, their regression files. Lots of really good actionable information in there. I, I do wonder if – I think the, the – excuse me, the Bengals – if they were just finally committing to 12 to 15 weekly Jamar Chase targets, because why would you not? Right. I don't think that's the case. This has never been the way they want to do it. And I, I agree with you that T Higgins seems back on the rise. So what, one more, one more stat I wanted to share with the folks. Uh, last year, uh, T Higgins converted 65% of his air yards, right? Which is not like outstanding, but it's, it's fine. Uh, this year, that number sits at 28%. So I, I, if that, if that number starts to inch, <laughs> inch towards 60%, Things could, things could get really interesting for yeah. folks who have been patient with T. Higgins. Even Cal, Calvin Ridley's like, man, you got to get that number up. <laughs> got to convert those babies. Cal, if you're listening, you need to start producing. Uh, Kyle, what do we expect to stick from last week's Khalil Shakir and Dalton Kincaid pop-up performances in Dawson Knox's first absence? We seem like we got a lot more three receiver sets. Uh, good stuff for Shakir. It was good stuff for Dalton Kincaid. Both the breakouts, quote-unquote, real – uh, can they both be relevant going forward? What do we tell people about these ancillary Bills players? Yeah, Kincaid is as real as it gets. He had 85% route share last week, 18% target share. Like as soon as they cut out this 11.5 personnel nonsense, which is, I mean, it's, it's not, they call it 11.5 because Kincaid is supposed to be this extra receiver. And it's just like all of the downsides of 12 personnel without a ton of the benefit. Play Kincaid like a normal tight end because he's actually good and you get good results. Shakir, I'm a bit more skeptical on just because they have not committed to a single third receiver at any point. They've been running a lot of, of 12, as I said. They did not have a wide receiver three, any of them, no matter who it was, get over half of the routes in any single game up until last week. Shakir got up to close to 75. So if that stuck, it'd be really good. He'd be a usable, like maybe scores a touchdown type of flex option. But they haven't committed to him at any point until last week. You can still take a flyer on him, but the floors they go back to using a different player to Deontay Hardy or something. So I, I would probably try to avoid it. But there are worse options. It's a high-scoring game, and if that role holds, it's a good role. Fourteen-team league with deep benches. I spent a lot of fab on Khalil Shakir this week, even though Me I share too. all your concerns. <laughs> I, I know. Yes, I, I know. This guy knows what I'm talking about. I, need, I needed it bad. Needed it bad. I got him. I'm, 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 I've never been more excited to start a player than I am. The upside's good. The upside's there that if like Knox comes back and they just commit to doing what they're doing right now and, Sh and Shakir's role holds, you're getting a like high pass volume, high, high pass efficiency team's third receiver. That's a good player to hold. You just need him to keep cementing himself as that guy. 
Denny, this is not a joke. That same team, I also had spent some fab on Leonard Fournette, who is currently on the Bills practice squad, will probably, excuse me, will probably be elevated for this game. We don't know that for sure. Is it Jover for James Cook if Leonard Fournette gets a foot in the door in this offense? Uh, Yes. Uh, I mean, the the short answer, I think, is yes, because, look, Lenny Lenny endears himself to (laughs) the teams he's on, okay? Like Like, they really like him. I guess as a, as a dude, as a guy, as a player, he's looking strong. He's looking fit in uh very skimpy bills. Uh, Hardy and practice, Hale, I believe. practice wear. <laughs> Hardy and um, so I, I do, I, I think, you know, I think that there, there is that chance. I don't think that's happening this week. I think that you can start James cook, but uh, for, I, I do think Fournette should be rostered in like almost every 12 team league. Just in, just in case it's a long season. It's a long season. And, and we, you know, we've seen Fournette like, well, I know he, he just joined this team, but we've seen Fournette like come on late in the season before. Um, and I think that, that that could happen here for a team that really does. I think that they do want to have just one main running back and they tend to not do that until late in the season. So it kind of aligns there. One of my hobby horse talking points. Yes, <laughs> it's really, it's a, that's a good one. I think at the beginning, it of course says more about Latavius Murray. Damian Harris didn't happen. Latavius Murray isn't happening. Extremely bad news for Latavius Murray. But yeah, the Bills always simplify the running back rotation as the season goes on. They just seem to have a very set idea of what James Cook is. Yeah, I feel like it's it's a transitive property of concern. This is first an indictment of Latavius Murray, but Latavius Murray was kind of always an indictment of James Cook. Like the fact that we were seeing 34-year-old Latavius Murray on the goal line, that, that in itself was an indictment of James Cook, and this works its way up the chain. Maybe just don't do that, Bills. Have you ever thought about just at least trying the James Cook thing? Just don't. Ever thought about that? Uh, Guess not. Apparently not. The fire, everybody, Las Vegas Raiders, are still hilariously one-and-a-half-point home favorites against the Giants as they break in Aiden O'Connell under center Kyle. Anyone who saw Monday Night Football knew this had to be done. McDaniels out. Lombardi out. Jimmy Garoppolo, of course, out. But what does AOC's insertion mean for Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers? It doesn't feel good. I mean, we have a small sample on Aiden O'Connell, but he was not good in his previous start and the little bit of action he saw in a second game. Uh, on at least 50 dropbacks, he ranks 37th out of 38 quarterbacks in PFF passing grade, 32nd in CPOE and EPA per play. He, I mean, you can see when you watch him, he just doesn't seem quite ready for the NFL speed. I don't know if he has an NFL arm. So as, as much as Jimmy Garoppolo was just out there doing uh, like average quarterback things, even below average, he wasn't particularly good. This feels like another step in the downward spiral of these pass catchers and this team. Yeah, I, I wish that I could say I disagreed, but I agree. Uh, how could it not be? Um, Josh Jacobs was peppered with targets when uh, Aiden O'Connell started yep. in week in week four. So we could have that. We could get some some scammy points from old Josh. I think Josh is about to go nuts because the entire offense is going to be oriented around him. By like this, the wagons are being circled and fundamentals have a tendency to be returned to when yes. you get interim coaches. Uh, yeah. Uh, eight catches on 11 targets for Josh Jacobs when uh, Aiden O'Connell started. Aiden O'Connell also found Devonte Adams for eight receptions. So maybe all hope is not lost. Yeah, no, I, I actually think, I think it's over for Myers. I think it's good for Adams. It's good for Josh Jacobs. I mean, really, no, I mean, the, the, this whole uh, Patriots triumvirate thing is over, right? And and so so Jimmy Garoppolo, Josh McDaniels, and Jacoby Myers saying this is our team, 
and Devonte, you're not part of it. That that that's all out the door now. Garoppolo's benched. McDaniel's is at PF Chang's, and and uh, <laughs> you know, and and what and Myers is is not a, an alpha. He's not an alpha. I wish you were. You were so right about the the uh, PF Chang's, the idea. Patriot stuff. Like I hear you're, uh, you know, one of the quote best receivers in the league. Uh, I never saw you in New England. Oh yeah, where were you when we were winning Super Bowls? I where were you? I didn't see you. I was there. I didn't see you. Where were you? Josh McDaniels is weeping for some reason. Like there you go. You know who else wasn't there? Darren Waller wasn't there. And as soon as Josh McDaniels realized that, he traded him to New York. As soon as Josh McDaniels ruined his wedding, he was out. That's true. uh, I almost said Danny. Uh, Denny, are we afraid? The Giants might not let Daniel Dimes run as he comes back from his second neck injury in a few seasons. This is my big concern with Daniel Jones. He has no fantasy value if he's not running. Can we really trust him to run? Even though he's been medically cleared, can we really trust him to run with these neck injuries piling up on his resume? No, and uh, before the neck injury, Daniel Jones's design rushes were way down. Like he, Daniel Jones became pretty fun for fantasy at the end of last season when the Giants were like, you know, we're we're doing it. Like we're going to treat him like a running back, and he's going to have eight to ten design rushes a game. That was fantastic because every that that provided the floor, and then the ceiling came when he actually completed some passes, right? But now there's no floor and the passing is not really there. He's refused to go downfield, right? Again, again. So I I really think that you got to look elsewhere. I know that the quarterback landscape is apocalyptic. I get that. But like I'm starting, man, I'm starting Heineke over. Are we starting Mac Jones over him? I want to start Mac Jones over him because to Mac me, I'm, I'm with Denny on the Daniel Jones until further, further notice is in the gut group of guys that Pat said, wait till you see 21 through 28. He's in that group for me. That's weird because I don't usually feel like I'm Daniel Jones. is not someone you usually have to tell me twice to rank lower. I did start with him kind of high this week because the matchup is so good. In theory, you know, he's healthy. He should run. This is like one of those instances of listening to pilot. Yeah, I gotta get this guy down in the rankings. Like Baker Mayfield should be easily over him. Yep. Bryce Young should be over him. Jordan Love. I'll take Jordan Love over him. Oof. Mm. One more time. Mac and Tyneke. Okay, Pickett. Pickett's in a good matchup. It's a good uh like bad EPA team in the Titans. Pick, take Pickett pick over pick. him. Pickett's injury scares me too much now. Mm. I'd, I'd go with Jones. Also being, quote, completely terrible scares me. It's scary a little bit, yeah. The Los Angeles Chargers venture to New Jersey as three-and-a-half-point favorites against the Jets' Denny Carter. Is this Los Angeles defense so bad, even Zach Wilson can get home? Tyson Bagent could not get home. Maybe a Garrett Wilson spiked week. Is there hope for the Jets' passing attack against the Chargers? Uh, the Zach Wilson peripherals uh, dropped off the face of the earth last week. Uh, there we're back. We're back to the yips era of Zach Wilson. <laughs> yeah, well, it takes you no pleasure. I'm sure. No, none. I uh, have some vinyls from the yips era. They were really good. back then. <laughs> <laughs> The yips album that played for two years. Uh, yeah, I, so I'm, I'm, I'm worried. I'm a little worried about whether the jets can maintain, like decent game script and make things go as normal. It could be great for Garrett Wilson. And we'll get to, into that for a second, but uh, you know, I, I think the, the, the chargers are the kind of defense that they can pressure the, the, the quarterback. They have been doing that, especially over the past month or so, three or four weeks uh, against pressure. Zach Wilson completely falls apart. So we could see that. 
they do allow just so much pass camber. If you can counteract the pressure, you will get chunk gains. Yeah, that's right. Yes, that's where the hope is. Did you have? Did you have a Garrett Wilson point you wanted to make, or was that? Well, I, I just, just to give folks an idea of of how dominant he has been in the opportunity uh, um, metrics here. Thirty four percent target share over the past three games. Next closest guy on the Jets has a thirteen percent target share. He has 60% of the air yards over that stretch. The next guy has 17%. So this is a DJ Moore in Carolina type situation where if the ball is being thrown, it's being thrown to Garrett Wilson. Hell yes, brother. I really need Garrett to go off this weekend. I think he could. I really do. Please. Please. Once as I get choked up, just (laughs) want to keep my home. (laughs) I just just want to keep my home. Sorry, uh, Kyle. You <laughs> thank you. Uh, good to hear. I like that you liked my odds, Kyle. What is going on with the lack of Chargers receiver production since Mike Williams got injured? Josh Palmer was injured in Week Eight, so that kind of explains his down week. But the usage has been fine for Keenan Allen. The yards have been non-existent. Quentin Johnston finally popped up last week. We mentioned it. it's in theory a good matchup for Zach Wilson. It's in practice a horrible matchup for Justin Herbert. What's going on? Kind of like the missing Chargers fantasy receiver production. Yeah, I mean, even you know, the yard's been fine. He just hasn't had a blow up game. He's been the wide receiver five, 24, and still another top wide receiver three finish in the past three games. Good, not elite. I think as far as the receivers go, the biggest missing element has been touchdowns. In the past three games they've played, they've scored six touchdowns, and one of them, Keenan Allen, three weeks ago, was to a receiver. I believe Donald Parham has one in there. Gerald Everett has two. Austin Eckler has one, and maybe I'm missing someone else. Oh, a long Josh Kelly run. So they still look fine as an offense. They just haven't been getting their receivers the ball when it counts most. We need touchdowns to get fantasy points. Like you said, the usage has been perfectly fine, if not great for them. Keenan Allen the past three weeks has a 29% target share and just shy of half the team's air yards. Usage is there and we follow the usage. So I'm I'm not no concerns because a really difficult defensive matchup, but no concerns to the point of benching. I'm even fine playing Josh Palmer in this matchup. He saw his snaps slightly decline last week, 80% of routes. That's still perfectly fine. He was dealing with what was the near ankle issue you said. So he's getting, he's, he had one, he had one spot where he looked pretty banged up. But they didn't take him off the field for that much for a fifth of the snaps. So he'd been basically in the field every single snap before last week. I'm going to say if they keep playing the poor fella, even if he's hurt, he's fine to play. It is a tough matchup, but it's the offenses this week, as we've pointed out, are dreadful. So Josh Palmer hopped on one foot uh, toward the sideline with his teammates looking at him sideways. And then he went to the blue tent and the and the reporter and the sideline reporter said that he was heard screaming in the blue tent. He was excited to get back on the field. They said, Palmer, you're good to go. The knee checks out. And he's like, yeah. And then, right. And then he was back on the field. He did lip reading and you could have sworn you saw someone say reattach. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was, that was a weird situation. I saw someone praying in the tent. You could peek in and someone was on their knees. And the prayers were answered though. He got right back out. They poured moonshine on it and he came right back out there. Uh, Good for tough guy. (laughs) The Baltimore Ravens fell back asleep in week eight, but are still nearly touchdown home favorites against the Seahawks, Kyle. Which Ravens offense are we expecting to show up? Looked really good for one week. Some of the the film watchers were saying they left meat on the bone, though, and that really explosive week seven performance. Not impressive against the Cardinals in week eight. They dropped 31 points. I mean, come on, man. 
What do you mean? Come on, man! Thirty points—a lot of points. They—they—it was not an impressive performance for the Ravens in Week Eight. But it sounds like you thought it was, and you expect another one for Week Nine. They dropped thirty-one points. Of course, I was satisfied with that. I mean, I I guess if they quote dropped thirty-one points, they did not earn any style points while doing so. Only one hundred and fifty-seven passing yards from Lamar Jackson. Not even a good day. You'd expect two hundred and fifty Ravens rushing yards in a game like this. Only one hundred and thirty. Not a usable box score from anyone other than Mark Andrews. It was only because he scored a touchdown. Who do we expect to show up for fantasy purposes, let's say, against the Seattle Seahawks? When Gus Bus is ripping it, you let the man's cook. Three touchdowns for my guy on my bench and my main event team. Couldn't be no. happier with that outcome. <laughs> uh, the Ravens have really changed in a number of meaningful ways since their trip to London. In weeks one through five, I pointed this out a few weeks ago, uh, Lamar Jackson's play action rate was down to a career low. It was like 24%. Team was using RPOs around 7% and pre-snap motion, uh, like 40% of their passing plays. All of those numbers are up drastically. And these like are just basic measures of like, oh, what's good strategy in the NFL? We know play action is a benefit to nearly every quarterback. Pre-snap motion is great. RPO, especially when you have Lamar Jackson, a really good play to run. Todd Munkin just wasn't calling the good plays for some reason through five weeks. And now we've gotten those numbers all coming up. And as it turns out, it seems to be working. For the first five weeks, they were 24th in EPA per passing play. They are second in EPA per passing play over the past three weeks. So, I, I mean, it's a small sample, but so is the first five games a small sample. And these things fall in line with what any smart coach would do. I feel like now that we're getting the good plays and also the drop variance was brutal through five weeks and is kind of cleaned up now. I feel pretty good about this offense. Uh, Odo Beckham popped up for like a near 20% target share last week. Still not a full complement of routes, but maybe they work him back. Otherwise, it's just very obviously Mark Andrews, Zay Flowers. Odo Beckham sort of in that deep offenses are bad. Maybe you can start a kind of conversation we've had. Sort of considered doing the snoring bit when you started talking about Odell Beckham. Dude, look, as a guy who didn't draft Odell Beckham, I don't want to do the bit. But <laughs> I, uh, I haven't busted out. I've lost confidence in my fake snore when put on the spot on a podcast. You got the really? snore yips? I thought of, I got the, the snore yips a little bit, especially since I'm on week 69 of my chest infection. It's been a long time. People are saying it's been a long time. Denny. Geno Smith has been really, really bad of late. I think he has more turnovers than touchdowns over the past three weeks. He hasn't fully collapsed off last year's production, but the the regression has been hitting hard. Is there any hope in the underlying metrics for Geno Smith, or is this just a player who's not playing anywhere near the level he was last year and there's no particular reason to expect improvement anytime soon? Look, the Seahawks as a as an offense are running cold. I talked about this in the regression files last week. They, they, the Seahawks all season pretty much have been elite on early downs. If you look at EPA and success rate, okay, like they're they're really really doing quite well, except for converting third downs and converting the occasional fourth down. They're not doing any of that. They're not reading all that on late downs. So it, it is it is a situation where I th- I think. I think this this offense as a whole will regress in a good way, in a positive way. The matchup, this matchup stinks. It really, really stinks. Like the Ravens have been really good against the pass. Now, this is not adjusted for strength of schedule or anything, but since week three, no one has given up a lower drop back EPA than Baltimore. Um, I, I would think that P.D. Carroll would want to establish it 
and just be careful, be be uh, conservative in this in, with it with the game plan against the Ravens. I, I, I Gino is a start, but he, it's it's shaky. I still have questions about how good this Ravens pass defense actually is because the schedule CJ Stroud in his NFL debut yeah. hobbled Joe Burrow. Whoever started week three for the Colts, I think DTR for the Browns. Mm-hmm. It's been bad. They did then fully erase uh, Josh, Jared Goff, which you know, it is Jared Goff, and he was on the road. But that made <laughs> me take a little more notice. And it's just not like it's not like Geno Smith is uh, a guy who's ripe to take advantage of a, a defense that's been running too hot. I will be very interested to see how the Ravens fare against Joe Burrow in Week Ten, though, or excuse me, Week Eleven. Um, but yeah. It, a very concerning setup for Geno Smith because they've been just really, really dealing poorly with every player who's like Geno Smith this year. Uh, I don't know why I had to follow up Denny's thing with such a long point. No, uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, you're good. Kyle, what was up with the weird Kenneth Walker, Zach Charbonnet split in week eight? Kenneth Walker seems to be nowhere close to 100% health. His practice reps have been all over the map basically all season. It seems like maybe he's been getting worse. I think he only played like 41% of the snaps last week. Uh, what in the heck is going on here other than that? Yeah, you, you were correct in pointing out he played 44% of the snaps, which was a season low, and it was a season low by a, a pretty wide margin, save for a light workload in week three, but it still was a season low. Also season lows in his percent of the team's carries and just shy of a season low in his team's in his uh, route rate, his percent of the team's routes. I do mostly just attribute it to the calf issue because he's been so good up until up until recently, just in terms of his usage and his production on that usage. Seemingly nothing could slow him. Finally, last week we had, I believe it was calf and he missed Wednesday's practice and things seemed very hit or miss from there. I think as you noted on one of the Seahawks injury report blurbs is like they have the most, I believe you used the word mercurial. I like it to describe this injury report a lot. Mercurial injury report. You can just never tell. And he was removed entirely from the injury report on Friday, I believe. Like, not a questionable tag, essentially. And he was not in on the injury report yesterday. This is Thursday. He wasn't on it Wednesday. I know Pete Carroll had some nice comments about uh, about Charbonnet. The video is two minutes long. I ain't reading all that. Also, I don't really <laughs> care. If you, if you liked him that much, maybe you should have played him in the first eight weeks. So I'm assuming Walker is trending towards healthy because he's got not only full practice, didn't even appear on the injury report, and is close to back to usual. But as we said, this is a... This is maybe the most difficult matchup is going on the road to Baltimore from the West Coast. So I'm still playing him. Obviously, you're still playing him. And I still expect the good workload. But part of what was so good about his workload was a dominance of the inside the five carries. Did they get there that much this week? That seems dubious. I just wouldn't be surprised if he just popped up as a DNP then, though. That'd be so fun. Thursday. That really is That's how the Seahawks do, quote unquote. Uh, that's how I've told to say it that way. Uh, <laughs> Your kids told you to say it that how, how they do. And, uh, but yeah, it, it seemed like a blip, whatever it was. At least we're hoping and praying. Some of us really need Kenneth Walker. You need Houston. a lot of guys to score points, Pat. Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, guess what? I actually play season-long fantasy. Ever heard of it? <laughs> no, actually. Um, yucky. I play a lot of season-long fantasy. I'm just kidding. I have... I have eight teams. It's I can tell Denny's actually got teams this year. You've been well, well what is that supposed to mean? Yeah. Well, Kyle has teams. Too. I'm literally in a league with you. <laughs> I know you are. You're right. I won that league last year. Uh, besides that, Kyle doesn't play any season long. No, oh he God. does. Yeah, we, all play <laughs> we all play season long and love it. I love it. Some would say too much. The Houston Texans are for some reason getting three points at home against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Denny Carter. Is there any hope of CJ Stroud snapping what is turning into a rather lengthy slump, yeah. both before and after the Texans buy. 
I wrote something today, folks, uh, called the, uh, what is it called? <laughs> Defense Funnel Report, something something along those lines. It's on NBCSports.com if you want to check it out. And uh, mentioned some some uh, some of the most extreme run funnel and pass funnel defenses uh, in the league, right, uh, through week eight. And uh, guess what, folks? Uh, Tampa Bay is one of the most extreme pass funnels in the league. Nobody is running against them. Nobody's having any, any success uh, running against them by any metric. So Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary, it, it's not going to happen. Now, the, the 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 Texans have gone super super run heavy, like terrified. Please don't lose. Please don't lose. Sort of sort of offensive mindset recently, which is very devastating for those of us who like Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator. Um, but I, I think that they will have no choice here against the Bucks but to air it out. I think that that creates more target volume for Nico Collins for tank Dell. Robert Woods is going to be out in this game. So I I'm a little more bullish on Stroud than I was, than I was last week for sure. That's good to hear. Cause the, the slump has very much created a slump for Nico Collins and yes. tank Dell has been banged up a lot there. He's essentially become a non-entity though. Robert Woods is out. Like you said, Noah Brown is back. So I feel like we no longer have a sense of what the offensive identity is. The Texans, Kyle, that very much includes the backfield. Damian Pierce has really been struggling. Now he's not practicing with an ankle injury. Uh, if he plays this week, are we still ranking Devin Singletary ahead of Damian Pierce regardless? And, yeah, how bad has this gotten for Damian Pierce? Yeah, if he plays this week at this point, like maybe you could say, like, oh, he's still like basically 50-50 and I want to bet on the talent. But now with the injury, if he's trying to play through an ankle injury, I'd have no faith in him outproducing Devin Singletary. Right. And even then, the usage was starting to shift towards Devin Singletary. Damian Pierce, over the past two games he's played, less than 40% of the snaps, just over 40% of the carries, and only a quarter of the team's routes. He's not a pass catcher, and they've completely taken that role away from his game. He's been struggling as a runner, and they're taking that role away from his game as well. Other on top that, of the ankle. Mrs. Lincoln? Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how are the Texans? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think he plays this week. I, I think he's been back-to-back DNPs. It doesn't. It looks like a pretty long shot that he plays. Even if he does, though, even if he was healthy, I wouldn't really want to play him. He's not healthy. I have no interest in playing him. At the end, I don't even think he plays. Mary Todd Lincoln's ghost being more startled than any human ever when you're just peppering her with questions about the Houston Texans. <laughs> Why are you asking me about this? Her first question would be, what's Houston? Yeah, who, sir, who won the war? Yeah, what is Houston? Is Texas now part of the union? It was already a part of the union. Oh, was it? Okay. Somehow she knew Damon Pierce's <laughs> ADP, though. She was like, you were drafting him how high? Oh my God. Yeah, she I, did survive the end of the Civil War, so I'm assuming she knows who won it. But uh, she had gone kind of crazy by then, though, too. So maybe she forgot. Well, we very much digress. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's talk more you, about We're all looking for the man who made this show three hours yeah. long. <laughs> anybody, anybody have any thoughts on these Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Kind of out of things to say about them. I, well, we look, know who they are, right? Yeah, I like I like uh, Baker Mayfield this week as a streaming option. Um, they're Clip they're it. Gonna, Denny, I like Baker Mayfield. That's the whole clip. We just keep running it on social media. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and because honestly, they don't have any choice here. Look at look at their drop back rate over expected. Oh my goodness, guys! Look look over the past four weeks, five percent over expected, eleven percent, eleven percent, and ten percent. These are our bucks. These are our bucks. Okay, and that yeah. and that's good for Rashad White too, uh, because Rashad White catches a bunch of PPR scammy stuff underneath. It's good. They just had to get rid of Tom Brady. That's all they had to do. 
The Rams and the Rams and Packers meet up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, with one of the week's numerous sub forty totals. Kyle, uh, how just how bad is it going to be for Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua managers if it is Brett Rippon under center, and not Matthew Stafford? The Rams being as cagey as possible with Matthew Stafford's thumb injury certainly seems like he's not going to play. But just how bad does it get for for Cup and Nakua managers? Yeah, you've pointed out that I believe they have a bye next week. So just let Stafford get healthy. As someone who has some teams with Cup and Puka that need them to produce, we're willing to take the hit this week. And boy, are we going to take the hit. Last week, <laughs> Brett Rippon averaged nearly minus 0.5 EPA per play, meaning the average play he had lost the team about a half a point versus the expectation yeah. of that play. Tommy DeVito strong. Yeah, yeah. He, he's literally the one guy who is like worse than all the metrics. Uh, minus 22% CPOE. Meaning that if you adjust for his target depth, the percentage of passes he should have completed was about 22% higher than it ended up being. Over his career, he's got, I think, four touchdowns and like 10 interceptions. This is this guy is not good. And that's okay. Get out there, lose a game. Stafford, come back healthy in week, uh, what is it, 11? We need you, buddy. Or maybe just easily win a game against Jordan Love. Maybe. Well, well, maybe. That, that might be what happens. Which, speaking of Jordan Love, Denny... He's playing just well enough that it's not killing his receivers' production. But tell that to Christian Watson. You know, so yeah, yeah. what are the recent Packers receiver trends? Where I feel like every week it's a theme in our Slack. I think usually from Kyle, like uh, Christian Watson's ninth end zone target. Uh, sure, it was yet again nowhere close to him. But uh, <laughs> what are the recent usage trends for the Packers receivers? I mean, uh, Jordan Love has been very inaccurate uh, as per usual, especially downfield, and so. Something like the following stat really ends up not mattering. So Christian Watson, over the past three games for the Packers, has 42% of the team's air yards. Okay, That's Dobbs, a lot. Yeah, Dobbs is second with 24.5%. Like, so that should translate to something, but it has You'd translated think. to basically... <laughs> Would be nice, wouldn't it? It's basically nothing uh, for, for Christian Watson. He, But, you know, hey, look, the process says that you... You, you, you should maintain some interest in the guy seeing really high-value downfield targets. He seems okay health-wise. So I I think you have to start him in 12-team leagues, I think. But, but uh, man, Jordan Love is just not getting it done. The uh, the investors that have Pat all in on Garrett Wilson, they, they may have gotten me a little bit of stock in Christian Watson. That we, need to, we need to realize some gains. Guess who's on my bench right now in that league? It is Christian Watson. And the, yeah. by the way, the, the UN estimates that the Christian Watson air yards project again will power 12,000 homes by the year 2030. If he catches one pass, if he catches one pass, <laughs> it'll be enough to power uh, 12,000 homes in a hurricane ravaged region of the Caribbean. And we're, so we're rooting, we're rooting hard for him to catch one pass. This we week. are just Christian do the right thing and catch the pass. Uh, <laughs> Aaron, anyone have any Aaron Jones thoughts or every week? Like, yep. Nine oh. carries 37 yards again. That's right. cool stuff. Something right. that's happening. I don't know. I, I I'm disgusted by the whole thing. Like, like, like for yeah. Oh yeah, he's definitely healthy. No, no, he's 100 percent not, not even close. Like he like can barely walk during the week. I, I, it goes back and forth. He's missing practice sometimes. He's sometimes practicing in full. Sometimes I don't know. I don't know what to think of it. And as a guy who has a lot of Aaron Jones, I don't know what to do with him on a weekly basis. But there's no upside here. Like you're you're just you're just praying for a touchdown. And honestly. Because A.J. Dillon has big legs or whatever, he's going to get the goal line touches. <laughs> All right. Hearing Denny invoke 
the Lord, saying he's praying for Aaron Jones. Is there anyone on this show who doesn't have mob ties over some player? <laughs> no, <laughs> silence, as expected. Absolutely not. So, right. yeah, Aaron Jones will never, quote, just get 10 carries once. Uh, it's 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 actually unbelievable. It like, really is unbelievable. Like, he, he, is, he should be the centerpiece of the Green Bay offense, okay? Like, in an effort to protect themselves against Jordan Love melting down week after week. They should get him 15 touches, 15 carries a week, plus five catches. Get him involved, but they don't. And so I do think that you don't have to play him in 12-team leagues. I think that you might have better options. Producer Adam giving you an amen, and it, it makes so little sense that you just have to assume he's even less healthy than than, than they're letting on. But yeah. I've not, Packers fans have been very, very unhappy with the team's offensive sequencing. And <laughs> some LaFleur truthing has been kicking in. Um, not great. I get it. We don't know who the Cardinals quarterback is going to be Denny Carter. So we'll begin in the Browns backfield for this 37 and a half total to bear. The Browns are eight point home favorites. This is now a three man committee. Jerome Ford, leave the door to a jar for cream hunt. And did he smash through it? Who is the chairman between cream hunt, Jerome Ford and Pierre strong. If you insist on including him, which I did for some reason. Yeah. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's uh if it's Pierre, even his, most ardent truthers would not would not say so, but yeah, I mean, last week, uh, Cream Hunt fourteen carries to ten for Strong, nine for Jerome Ford. Now Jerome Ford came into the game with what was considered a high ankle sprain of the lowest grade. Um, we're not sure if that ankle sprain has crept upward or downward uh, over over the past week. But I do, I do believe Ford is practicing in full, unless you guys. It's crept downward. Him. He he practiced, yeah. All right, so we're talking about lowering of the ankle injury. That's good. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I mean, I think Pat, I think you're on to something in saying that maybe Cream Hunt has kind of taken the reins of this of this backfield, if only if only nominally, you know, like just just a little bit, right? So I, I don't think anybody's in line for 20 carries here uh, for for the Browns. But I, I would say that Kareem Hunt should be considered the lead back going for now. For now, for now. Jerome Ford had two or three opportunities to kind of put the matter to rest, and he, he one reason or another he couldn't do it. And it does seem like veteran Kareem Hunt has just kind of overtaken the the one. It could change. It's a fluid situation. Yeah, I agree with your assessment. Honestly, there's not there's not a whole lot to be had in this backfield outside of touchdown. Uh, short short touchdowns possibly for Hunt or whoever's getting those goal line touches. So far, it has been primarily Hunt because no one's getting targets with PJ Walker under center. No, like like I think they had they come the three running backs for the Browns combined for four targets last week. Kyle, final question of the show: Who do you think is starting a quarterback for the Cardinals? They're treating it like a state secret. Clayton Toon or Kyler Murray, and if it is Clayton Toon or any Cardinals startable, including Trey McBride, who welcomed himself to the Titan one rankings last week, or is this just a fiasco waiting to happen against this ferocious Browns defense? Yeah, I think Clayton Toon's going to get one start. Like it's been two, it'll be, I think two full weeks of Kyler Murray full practices. I think they do have to activate him this week maybe, but they can just, they can activate him, keep him on the bench. There's nothing like wrong with that. They can just activate him, keep him out for a week. Maybe it's just like my quote fear of the Browns defense, but like, dude, don't put Kyler Murray back in his first game to play. I think that's what they're doing and thinking Mm -hmm. that there's just no point in welcoming your supposed franchise player back. Like, Hey, you got to face miles Garrett now as you learn to retrust your surgically repaired knee. Yeah. Yep. I would, I wouldn't do that to him if they're smart and they know that their season is ultimately designed to gain draft picks next year. 
one week is fine to, to sit Kyler Murray out. So I think we see Clayton Toon. Maybe they want to see what they have in the rookie as a potential backup down the road. I still think you're playing Trey McBride for sure. I mean, he's playing a very pumped up version of the Zach Ertz role. He ran around 88% of the team's dropbacks last week, 41% air yard share and 40% target share. And I think that'll just continue with another backup under center, except what they're working with before. Even if the production from the team goes down, it probably will. Clayton Toon didn't look good in the, in the preseason. It'll probably go down. It's tight end we're talking about. The position's terrible, and McBride is like wide receiver one usage at a tight end position. It has to feel really great to be Clayton Toon, doesn't it? Like, hey, um, buddy, I'm sure they cleared out those nests on the beach. I'm sure it's fine. Like, you're safe. Uh, <laughs> nothing wrong. Nothing bad could happen. Uh, and he's like, uh, do I really need to get sacked seven times by Miles Garrett? Like, is, that even, <laughs> is that even legal? Like, just don't worry about it, man. You signed your contract. Right. Cool. They're like, no, 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 no. You're not getting sacked seven times. You're looking at the first half numbers. That seven times in the first half is accurate. <laughs> so uh, it's actually twelve overall. Yeah. yeah, seems like a really, really fun mission for Clayton Toon this weekend. <laughs> uh, really, really fun mission. We hope was listening to the show. A lot of great stuff from Kyle. Amazing stuff from Denny. Did I always forget about the funnel article? By the way, sorry. Well, I, I I haven't been writing that this season. I'm going to write it uh, every every few weeks as things sort of shift from past funnel to run funnel. I was like, man, have I just like totally memory hold an entire Denny article? No, no, like, no. But it's on it's on the site. I, I highlighted four defenses, so folks want to check it out. Check out Denny's article on pass and run funnels. Check out the regression files. Check out Kyle's 32 stats. Probably still some actionable stuff in waiver wire too, right, Kyle? Um, uh, oh, Kyle's muted as we end the show. Yeah, no, I hope there's some useful stuff in there. I mean, a lot of it's like if you picked him up, do you actually start him or is it a hold? And uh, yeah, useful stuff in there, useful stuff in 32 stats. Start sits coming out uh, within 24 hours as well. Check out start sit, check out the rankings, check out everything. A lot of news, so many injuries still, so many uncertain quarterback situations. So keep it locked on rotorworld.com. For Denny, for Kyle, I'm Pat. Thank you for listening. We'll be back later. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at Fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC.